unique podcast taking you behind the badge. Unbelievable stories exploring the day in the life of a first responder. 911 is made possible by Carlos Bail Bonding and Eric Buchanan and Associates, fighting for those who have been denied disability, life, long-term care, and health benefits nationwide. Now, here's your host, DeMarlin Dean. Welcome to 911. Thank you so much for listening and joining us today. We have another great episode with another great officer. My guest today is Sheriff's Deputy Johnny Snyder from the Burke County Sheriff's Department. And if that sounds a little familiar, you know, my regular listeners that Burke County may sound familiar because you actually work with Eric McCants. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I do. Yes. Eric McCants. He was on. He's our guest from episode 46. So if you haven't checked that out, go check it out. He's got some pretty funny stories of some embarrassing stuff that he did. But today, again, it's Johnny Snyder from that same department. And it looks like y'all have about the same. Well, he's got he had more years overall, but you guys may have similar time at the Burke County Sheriff's Department because you've been in law enforcement so far for six years. Uh, you've been an investigative sergeant with the gang unit. You're on the SRT, which is a special response team. Um, and we may talk a little bit about that. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to shut up and let you kind of just introduce yourself and tell us why you got into law enforcement. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me today. Um, like you said, my name is Johnny Snyder. Um, I got into law enforcement. Um, it wasn't really something I really thought about. But when I was a younger kid, something stuck with me. Um, the sheriff's office down where I lived at. My mom was having a tough year one year um, during the holiday time and they did an adopt a cop program where basically they take you to Walmart and they kind of walk you around and they can, um, you know, you can pick basically whatever you want for like a hundred bucks or so. Um, And something as I got older, just stuck with me, just, just being able to kind of help a kid and be able to help a family that's going through tough times. It was something that kind of, I think, influenced me to go down that career path as I got older. So you're saying you were the recipient of that, like uh, your mom was going through some hard times and you got to go do the shop with a cop type of thing and and get some. Yeah, I was a kid with the um, with the cop. So. Wow. Hey, I want to I want to pause right there because, you know, we've had several guests um, that have, as a matter of fact, I think it was episode maybe 48, if I'm not uh, not mistaken, um, Chief. Jerry um, Sutton was my guest and she talked about her serving on, you know, doing being part of the Toys for Tots, which is one of the things here. We've had other officers talk about how they had an opportunity to help people that were experiencing some tough times with simple things like whether it was buying gifts out of their own pocket or doing things like that, you know, Christmas with a cop or shop with a cop or whatever it may be called. So I just want to make sure that that we pause and let my law enforcement officers that are listening realize that. What you are doing does make a difference. So I didn't mean to go on that tangent, but it's really cool that you were on the receiving end of that at one point. And now because of that, that that at least steered you in a direction of wanting to go into this profession. So carry on, sir. I'm sorry about that. Um, you know, yeah. Is there, yeah, go ahead with it, with, with your introduction. If there's any more that you wanted to add to that. Um, no, I mean, that that's basically um, most of the reasoning why I got into law enforcement. Um, as I got older, just I was doing some construction jobs and I just, I just kept saying, man, I think, you know, law enforcement would be the coolest job for me. And it was basically my calling. You know, I can't I can't picture doing anything else but what I do now. So that's pretty much it. 
Very good. What was your biggest surprise so far? I know when you go into law enforcement or any type of first responder position, you may have all these ideas of what it's really like. And then you get on, you're like, wait a minute, this is what I got to do all day long. What was your biggest (laughs) surprise? Man, I think I think coming out of the academy, my biggest surprise was just how different being in the academy is and actually being on the streets is, um, you know, I, I came up through the jail. So I know a lot of guys are like, man, that's that's the worst thing to ever do. Um, but I, I actually looking back on it, I think the experience of going through the jail, actually learning how to speak to people, learning how to communicate with specifically people that you might have to run into um, again when you do become a road deputy. I think that was that was like the biggest surprise to me of just the experience that you do gain in the jail rather than go to the academy and just just go straight to the streets. So, Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like if you are a jailer, number mm-hmm. one, you're typically are unarmed. I mean, you guys have right. access to weapons, but when you're doing your day to day, you know, day in and day out dealing with the the um, the inmates, you're unarmed. So you do have to learn how to number one, you got to know how to handle yourself Two, you do need to know how to talk to people. So you're not, you know, fighting every time you engage with someone. So I, I believe yep. that would be great experience to have before you actually get out on the street for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like I said, I mean, that those, those years looking back, it was, you know, it was kind of hell, I guess, you know, like I hated it, but looking back on it now, I, it was actually something that really molded me into the officer I am today and kind of, you know, led me on, on being able to move up as fast as I have. So it's so definitely beneficial. Let's talk about that. You, When I look at your kind of your bio here, you have in six years, you've done a lot of cool stuff already. So kind of tell us about the progression of where you started being in the jail and where you are, and what you've done in between that, that time. Yeah. So I started in the jail. Um, I was I was currently at the Richmond County Sheriff's Office. That's where my career kind of started. Um, uh, after that, went to the academy, got on road patrol. Um, <clears throat> of course, I wanted to be in narcotics. So that was the coolest thing. You, you watch all the movies, that's what they are, you know? So, but once I actually got on road patrol, there was a unit, um, called the crime suppression team that I saw, um, occasionally, you know, riding around and they were basically a proactive unit that enforced traffic laws. They went to higher crime areas that were experiencing, you know, uh, multiple entering autos, burglary shootings. They rode around, they were a proactive unit. Um, so I decided while I was on road patrol, like that was the, that's what I wanted to do next. I wanted to do crime suppression. You know, it, it was still a uniform division, but it was, they just had a little more freedom to be proactive. Um, so basically what I did was I got with the sergeant at the time and I asked him, I said, Hey, you know, do you have any overtime spots? Can I come, can I come work with you guys on my off time? And he said, yep. And every off day I was, I was riding around with them every single day. And, um, the only day, I didn't ride around with them was on a Sunday cause they didn't work. And other than that, <laughs> I was, I was riding around with them. Um, I ended up leaving the Richmond County Sheriff's office and going to the Burke County Sheriff's office. And, um, I got on their crime suppression team, which basically had the same roles. It was just a more rural area out in Burke County compared to, uh, Richmond County that's in Augusta. Um, but I was out there, um, decided that I wanted to kind of progress to something else. Um, investigations, whether it was narcotics, and then I started thinking about gangs and um, just seeing the impact gangs have, especially on a smaller community. And once once I saw that, I started going to classes and the sheriff opened up a, a gang investigator spot and I was I was able to get it. And um, then he promoted me to sergeant, I think, about a year later. So um, I've been blessed and I've I've been given a lot of opportunities that 
know, I've worked hard for, but I've gotten a lot of opportunities that some um, might have had to wait a lot longer for. So, Absolutely. So uh, remind my listeners about Burke County. Now, that's near Augusta, but that's not the county yes. that Augusta's in. You're saying that's in Richmond, correct? Correct. So, well, Burke County, yeah, Burke County is, um, it butts up to Richmond County. Richmond County holds Augusta. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, what size maybe. neighboring counties? Okay. What yeah. size department is the Burke County Sheriff's Office? Um, it's a, it's a smaller department. I think about a hundred sworn officers or so. Um, and, uh, you know, we have jailers and all that too. We have our own jail that we, that we man. So, but it's, it's definitely a smaller department compared to Richmond County that has, a couple hundred officers or even more. I can't even tell you how many they have. Everybody's short right now. So I can't, yeah. I can't really say how many people they have, but it's, it's quite larger of a department. Now, is there a, a big city or a mate or a city center in uh, Burke County? Yeah. Um, Waynesboro. Waynesboro. Uh, Waynesboro is probably the, the biggest city. You have Sardis as well. That's its own little community. Um, Gerard, Midville. Those are your smaller cities, but they're still in Burke County. Burke County is just so spread out. I think it's the, the second largest land um, county in the state. So, Oh, wow. OK. Yeah, I have to be honest. I, uh, you know, I, I was a city officer. And so, you know, I'll just speak for myself. I just always felt like those county officers were a bunch of slugs. You guys didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so when you tell me about uh, a, uh, the, the county Sheriff's Department having, you know, crime suppression. You know, I'm like, man, y'all ain't got no crime suppression. You y'all just be going around <laughs> riding through cornfields and stuff like that. Go. <laughs> yeah, my, my buddy's from uh from Richmond County. You know, when I first got over there, that was their that was their thing. Like, oh, what are you doing chasing cows? You know, I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. You know? But it's yeah. all fun. It's all fun. It is all fun, but that is kind of the, you know, that's kind of the the perception of the county is in the outlying areas and you just patrol predominantly in the county, even though you usually have authority in the city. But it's Mm -hmm. the city that's that's really uh, doing all the hard work and doing everything. And the the county (laughs) is out catching cows, rounding up cows and stuff. (laughs) So it's pretty funny. Um, Well, let's just go ahead and start with some of the funny stuff that you've seen. What are, you know, as you as you, you know, pretend you and I are sitting around a campfire having a beer or something thing just a bunch of old police buddies man what kind of stories would you be talking about man the the, the first one and I, I tell everybody it's, it's it's the funniest one especially from Burke County so we there was a there was an older gentleman we dealt with um on the on the narcotic side of things and he he didn't want to you know do his end of the bargain so he had warrants out for him well Good old McCants was in the car with me, and uh, <laughs> he was at, he was actually driving, and we still give him heck to this day. But he was driving, and another partner of ours was in the car, and um, so we see him, we see him walking through a field. Well, I tell McCants, I'm like, "No, nah, that's him. Go pull up on him. Go pull up on him." So McCants turns into the into the driveway and um of the of the field, and the guy the guy's got to be. I think he was like 79, 78. He's pushing like 80 years old. <laughs> he has he has a tumbler glass. His glasses are on. He's got a cell phone. And he starts like high-stepping it, like <laughs> just high-stepping it through the field. And it's the fun. So then we're, me and my partner are yelling at McCants like, stop the car, turn it around. You know, we're giving him all these. We're starting to give Eric these verbal commands. And uh-huh. so Eric, Eric just starts freaking out. He's like, guys, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. Uh, so basically we tell Eric to slant. He turns the car around, gets in the middle of the road um, of the apartment complex. Uh, we slam, he slams on the brake. Me and my partner get out of the car. Neither one of us shut our doors. They're just uh-huh. doors are open. One one's on the passenger side. One's in the back seat uh, driver's side. 
And uh, we end up chasing this guy down, and, and my partner actually gets to him first. I get to him, like, very shortly after. And, uh, we, we all three kind of look at each other, and we all just start busting out laughing in the middle of the apartment complex. And <laughs> and he that, that man dropped everything in his hand, but that tumbler full of alcohol, I'll tell you, he dropped <laughs> everything. But that, that was, that, that's by far the funniest moment I've ever had, like, in law enforcement, period. I mean, just the fact a, that you're having to chase an 80-year-old guy? Man, and the way he heisted, it was like it was like a scene out of a movie. Uh-huh. I mean, it was it was just it was unreal. It was funny. It was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you ca- caught him. I, I'd hate yeah. for you have to come on here and say that you and McCants, you know, got outran by a 80 year old dude with cell phones and and a tumbler all in his in his hand and didn't drop any of it. And y'all got that, dusted. So yeah, that would have been rough. Yeah. Yes. It <laughs> So what else? What other uh, funny stories come to mind when you think about some of the some of the the the, the crazier calls or or uh, situations you found yourself in? Um, the the second one that comes to mind would be in, in Richmond County. I worked I worked a kind of um, higher higher activity of crime area um, when I when I got my first vehicle um, because when you get out the academy, you get what's called a spare, but it's not a take home car. It's just like you drive your car up, put your stuff in. And, but once I got my first actual car assignment where I was issued a car, the, the area was pretty, it was like a rougher area of Richmond County. So, um, there was an older, an older partner I had and he, you know, we get called as like three o'clock in the morning to a domestic and it's between two, two males um, arguing about like the remote or something about a TV <laughs> remote about what they were going to watch on TV. And we get there and um, the situation wasn't as funny. It was just what the partner said to him. So we, we walk up to the door and I'm still kind of a newer cop. And, and my partner looks at him and he goes, uh, what, what's the issue here? And uh, one gentleman says, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're tussling to see who the alpha male is. And uh, <laughs> my partner looks at him with the straightest face and goes, that's not a problem y'all have because he just got here. And I wanted to laugh so hard. And it, it was just because I just never heard anybody talk to somebody that way. But but when he said that, it got it got quiet. I mean, it was it was quiet. They were like, OK, we're going to keep we're going to we're going to shut up for the night. So so that that was probably the, the second funniest moment I've, I've ever had on the on the road. The alpha male has spoken, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he he meant it, too. He's, he was an older, you know, uh, rugged, you know, officer, you know, so it was it was pretty cool, you know, working with him. He showed me a lot, too. So, yeah, those those old heads, you know, they they, they have a lot of a lot to share. Some some yeah. sometimes, well, especially in today, you can't you can't use all of it or can't do everything they used yeah. to do back in the day. But, <laughs> but, you know, they didn't get to be an old head by uh, by being stupid. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, right. Most, most yeah. of the time I mean, you do have a few stupid ones out there. Um, <laughs> so uh, what about. Dumb criminals. When you when we talk about you know some of the crazier things that they that criminals do, uh, what are some of the funnier or, or dumber criminals that uh, come to mind? Just I, the worst ones to me were like running, running, or you know running over legal stuff. Like just because I guess maybe they were scared of police or they had bad interactions with police. But like there was, I remember specifically there was one call or a traffic stop I did and and the guy had a gun underneath the seat, but he wasn't a felon. The gun wasn't stolen. Like he just had it on her seat and he took off and, and I got into a pretty good foot chase with him. Mm-hmm. And, um, but we, we ran everything, everything was straight. And I was like, dude, you, you can have a gun. I don't, he's like, I, I just didn't think I should have a gun when, when y'all stopped me. I was like, if I didn't stop you, you can still have a gun, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, 
So like all he went to jail for was that like a disorderly. Con- I didn't even do obstruction because it was like, well, I mean, he he really didn't break the law. He just ran. I don't. Yeah. So I just wrote him a disorderly conduct, and I mean, he went to jail, but it was just like or like you know, um, there was one in the apartment complex. We you know, uh, it was a girl that took off because she had like a gram of weed in her pocket. I'm mm-hmm. like, come on, like <laughs> I know it's legal in 48 states. It's not legal in Georgia yet, but I mean, you know, like <laughs> we're not going to take you to jail on that, you know and and she, but she, she ended up fighting us and like running all kinds. Of, I'm like, geez, man, this is, this is a gram of weed. You know? <laughs> yeah, made it a whole lot worse. You know? So, but yeah, so the, the, those are like the the dumbest, you know. And I guess everybody has their reasons of why they do what they do, but I just can't find a, a logical reason to run over a gram of weed or a gun that was legal. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, but like you said, a lot of times they don't they don't know what the laws are, and they they right. they think that they're going to get in bigger trouble or get yep. in trouble. Um, you know, like the gram of weed. I mean, she doesn't know. And you know, there's some officers out there that are, that are, that are lock you up quicker than anything for yeah. for that. No, you know, right. yeah. so but yep. either way, whether they would or wouldn't, you still make the situation worse by running or fighting and doing those things. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So. What's the story about the kids not wanting to go to school? <sighs> the, that was that's those are those are the thirds. I, I guess they're they're not technically criminals, but every call we would get, it's like little little Bobby doesn't want to go to school. You know. And, and little Bobby's nine years old and, you know, <laughs> mom, mom don't want to deal with it. I'm like, man, you know, and then you show up and they're, yes, sir. No, sir. Like it's, it's hard for us to really do anything, you know, but there had, there have been some juveniles where you, you go and they're just like, man, F you and I ain't going to school. And then it's like, all right, well, you know, you know, your mom can legally take that belt upside of your behind if she wants to. And I <laughs> sit here and watch her. So, I mean, it's up to you, you know? So, yeah. So it's that I think that's I haven't really dealt with it lately after um, getting moved investigations, but but I know it still happens every day. It's just you know, kids just get more and more bold. I guess you know back then I used to be scared of my mom and dad and the spankings, and now it's like kids will just tell their mom and dad like, if you if you touch me I'm gonna call nine one one. You know <laughs> then then we get there, but you know the parents get scared or something. So it's yeah. crazy. How frustrating that is that though when. You know, there obviously there's serious crimes going on. There's all kinds of things that that you guys have to deal with. And then you have to take your time, the time out of your day and possibly away from something more serious because a parent can't deal with their own child not wanting to go to school. That's got to be frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. It it was it was really frustrating. And I think an even more frustrating part is uh, like I I hate when like let's say a a kid's being kind of crying or being naughty or something. Kids are kids, you know, I get it, but parents got to understand, like, sometimes it's your job to, to discipline your kids. You can't, you can't, every time they do something bad, say, well, I'm gonna call the police. And then when they grow up, they can't, you know, they're not going to like us because all they hear is every time they, they have a bad attitude that we're going to come and do whatever we got to do. So I think, I think that's more frustrating. You know, the, the calls were frustrating because like you said, there's a lot more bigger things out there that's going on. But I just think like, I I used to hate and I still hate it now. Like even if I'm just walking around Walmart and I, I'm going to call, I'm going to go get the police and little four year olds, like just throwing a temper transfer, can't get a toy. Like, no, don't say that to them. Just, just put them in the buggy and carry on, you know, four years old. Yes. Yeah. Public service announcement right here. Please do not threaten to call the police because you can't or don't want to deal with disciplining your child in whatever way. I'm not telling you how to discipline them, but I'm telling you, don't threaten to call the police because, you know, you just want to scare them because, yeah, it's not good. It's not smart. It's not healthy. 
And, you know, if that's what they're hearing at a young age and they're going to have this innate fear for, for an, an, an unreasonable fear of right. police when they get older and thinking that's yeah. that's all that they're there for. Um, you know, and what if they are in a situation where they need to call police and now they're like, I don't want to call police. You know, my mom's been telling them, you know, threatening me all my life with calling police, yeah. calling police. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of an aside. Just, you know, if, if you are one of those that's listening that has been guilty of I'm going to call the police, if you don't behave, stop it. Figure out how to make your own your own child behave. There so, you go. Yeah. Um, can you remember maybe. Can't be that long ago since you've only got six years old, six, six years <laughs> on. But the first just like scary call that you had, you're like, oh, my goodness. Um, The first. Well, I'll tell you the most recent one. Um, OK, but the mo- the most recent one where I where I really felt scared was uh, I was in Burke County and um, I just got out there. I was on crime suppression. And I, I did like a little um, quick FTO where they showed me their system and then I was on my own. And I was working one night and in Burke County, they don't believe in streetlights. So like there's no streetlights in the, in the country. So, so we get a call to, um, a, a GSW, which is a gunshot wound or like a gunshot victim. Somebody got shot. It was a family gathering. Well, I get there and there's a guy in the car holding an AR and he's talking about kind of like, Oh, you know, he's, he's back there, you know? So, and then I see a guy getting dragged up that, that got shot. And I'm like, what? And, and, I was the first one there and it's dark, like it's mm-hmm. dark, dark. So I'm like, man, you know, like, and so the guy put his AR back in the car, you know, cause he wasn't, but when I first got there, I'm like, man, this could be the shooter, you know? Right. So, right. so he, he ends up putting his gun in the car and, um, the, the other, um, couple, I didn't even get to talk to the victim. He, he shot straight to the hospital. Um, they took off and then, uh, we get there and, and we figure out, you know, um, that there's a campsite way back in the property. So I'm walking back there. I'm not on the SRT team yet, so I don't have a rifle yet. I'm just like pistol and I'm walking through woods and we find out like this guy has military experience that he might have a night scope, this and that. So I'm like, it start. I just had a real eerie feeling like, oh my goodness, like this is not going to be fun. So yeah. Yeah, because um, you, you're walking through the dark, I guess you said through woods right. and you don't, you know, this yeah. guy could be sitting there lying and wait for you. That's it. It's his territory. It's his, it's his house. It's his woods, you know. Luckily, nothing came of it. Um, we were able to locate the crime scene. The, the guy ended up fleeing. I don't know where he went or or I can't remember how they caught him. They, they ended up getting him. But it was just uh, just walking through the woods in the pitch black dark. Like You can't even see your hand. And you got you got a guy that could have military experience and some and a night scope that, that could be stalking. You know, it's, it just gets an eerie feeling, you know. So, right. That was that was probably that was probably the most recent one I've had. Um, well, that's a good point for me to do public service announcement. Number two, if you call the police for a gunshot victim, please don't be standing there with an AR-15 when the police arrive. <laughs> you, man, it, it's just it caused so much pandemonium at one time. It's, but, yes. Yeah, yes a, you don't know who's who or what's what. You and you just, no. you know, you know, somebody's been shot. And then the first thing you see is a guy with an AR-15. So, yeah, yeah that's that's not a good look. <laughs> on, on top of it, all of them were I think they were all drinking, too. So that that didn't make anything better. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Tell me about the first search warrant you ever uh, served. Yeah, um, that that was probably it, it's scary in a sense that there's a lot going on, you know, because you never know what's on the other side of the door. And with it being your first one, you're like, man, you know, like 
I hope the evidence I need is in there. I don't want to do this and come up dry. You know, I think, I think all investigators have that, that fear, you know? And, um, so the, the first one we did, you know, it was, it was a gang case I did and we, we ended up serving it and everything went good, but it was just the, the fear of like, man, this is mine. Like if, if something bad happens, you know, I, I, I'm like, man, if something bad happens, uh, it's mine. Like, I, I brought them here, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, but everything went good. Everything went smooth. The um, the actual person we were looking for uh, complied with us. You know, um, we found everything we needed for the case. So it, was, it, it went pretty smooth. So that's good. That is, that is good. Um, you know, just last month or the end of August. So, you know, when this, when, by the time this airs, you know, this will be in September, but the, the end of August, we had, two officers in three days get yeah. killed serving eviction notices. Yeah. Um, so, you, you you know, you never know. I mean, serving an eviction notice, obviously nobody wants to be evicted and they were met by gunfire and, and shot and killed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that can be, you know, that could be any time. That could be when you're doing a search warrant, like as you were doing, that can be just a simple traffic stop. You never know. Yeah. And you certainly yeah. don't go to a house to serve the eviction notice thinking that that's going to be your last call, but you never know. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's just one of the big, bigger issue. I think it's just, as you do this longer, you just get complacent. And, um, like when, when I go and help out at police academies or something, you know, and, um, for like defensive tactics or whatever the case is, I always tell them like, look, don't, don't get into being complacent because you just you never know, especially in the the world we live in today. You know, crimes are being committed by even kids like as young as eleven or ten years old. You know, and you, you just don't know the ideology. And and I tell them like, don't be don't be scared of every ten year old you come up to. Like they're gonna kill you. But you know, don't don't be complacent. You know, you always got to be on your p's and q's because it's it's just you never know who you're gonna run into on that day. And like you said, I mean if you're serving an eviction notice. Well, maybe he'd think you're, you're going to go take him back to prison for the last time, you know, and he just doesn't know what he, maybe he did something and he thought now you're on to him, you know? And so I just think you know, that's one thing I, I always try to tell people, like, don't, don't ever get complacent, you know, wear your best, especially like the, the cool narcs, you know, like <laughs> always wear your best. You know, I, I think we get into the plain clothes thing, but then we forget, like, you know, we always throw our best on no matter what we're doing. Um, unless it's just like strict surveillance where we're not going to come in contact with people, but, but always, always, you know, stay on your P's and Q's. Don't, don't be complacent. So. Absolutely. Do you have a family? Yes. I have, uh, three kids, um, one girl, two boys, and I have a wife. Yep. Okay. Now, were you already in, um, law enforcement when you guys, you know, started a family or whatnot, or that happened since? Um, we had our first child before I got into law enforcement. Um, I was going through the academy when, when, um, our second was born a little bit after our second was born. So yeah, she's, uh, she's been with me since I've, I've had a family ever since I've gotten into the same before. So how, how does your wife deal with what you do? Um, you know, I think on, on call outs, like if we have an SRT call out, she, she worries a little bit, like she'll text me throughout the night. Um, like if I get called out in the night, she, she just obviously doesn't go to sleep cause she'll just keep texting me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, everything else she knows what I do. She knows, she knows who I am and how much I love it. You know, I think she, she definitely supports it. I don't know her true feelings about it, you know? Um, but you know, th- there was one time, um, we went to, uh, I went to a training and, um, she went with me and, uh, it was right when I believe the George Floyd, um, stuff was going on, like right when it happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, we were riding up there and, uh, I had a, a county vehicle, a Mark County vehicle, and she like somebody like uh, threw 
I can't like do a do a like a coke like a coke drink at my car like going down the hot the, in, the interstate. Wow. And, uh, and then they were like flicking us off this and that. And she was like, and she and, and I could tell she was a little worried about it. But you know, other than that, you know, she she supports it for sure. Well, good. Well, my advice to you and many of my guests that I've had is make sure that that you do include her. I mean, that doesn't mean you have to tell her all yeah. the, the gory stuff, but, yeah. but the family is there to support you. And too many right. times yeah. officers, first responders, we try to protect. We think we're protecting our family by not sharing anything. Right. And it just it, it causes it devastation in the end. So. Right. So. Yeah. So my advice to you is, 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 is share what's appropriate. Let her in your world and, and uh, you know, make sure you guys are supporting each other because, yeah. you know, nothing's more important than family. And, and you got those three little ones, too. So um, yeah. what, what ages are your kids? Uh, Ten, eight and three. Do they, they they think you're Superman? Uh, yeah, the, the the boy, the eight year old, my son, Noah, he um he adores me pretty. And, and like I said, that's that's who I coach for football. Um, the little three year old is just hell on wheels. I don't, I don't really know what he thinks. He just he just thinks destruction. So I mean, he just, he's all over the place. And um, my ten year old, she's she's just so sweet and uh, she's feisty now when she has to be with with certain people if they if they come at her a certain way. But yeah, I think they they all look up to me and stuff, which which is good because I I try to be that role model they can look up to, you know. So. Yeah, that's good. And, and, you know, and, 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 and the incident that you just brought up with your wife where you guys were traveling, unfortunately, that's, that's something that we have to think about too with our, our families is, you know, when people know that, oh, yeah, your dad's a police officer. Well, you know, right. she could be getting bullied because of that. Or they, you know, uh, well, he's this, he going around killing folks. He's this, that, and the other. And which is not a, you know, doesn't have anything to do with your children. And, right. you know, certainly not a, not appropriate. But in today's time, it's, it's, you almost have to expect stuff like that. As sad as it is to say that. Yeah. We, um, I went to a training up in, um, I can't remember where it was, but yeah, they, they brought that up and it was something I never thought of, but they were like, you know what, you got to think of your family. Like if you do a shooting, even though it's hundred percent justified in today's climate, you know, you never know what at school kids could experience because they could say, Oh, your dad's just out here killing people or, you know, your wife can go to work and oh, your, you know, your husband's just out here slaughtering people, you know, this and that cause he can. So, um, that's, that's something that, you know, like a, you bringing it up again, you know, makes me think about the first time I heard it and which was very recently. And I don't think a lot of people really think about stuff like that. And it's something to kind of really sit down and think about, especially if you're getting into law enforcement with a family, you know, so that's a good absolutely. Point. Absolutely. I mean, this job in general is not to be taken lightly, but yeah, if you have a family, uh, there, there certainly are implications on the family when, when you take on a, a job like this, but we, you know, you have, we have to have people to do it for sure. But, you know, you do need to go in with your eyes wide open and thinking about all those things. Um, so before I take a, a little break and hear from uh, our awesome sponsor, uh, Eric Buchanan and associates, tell me about the funniest or best excuse you ever had for, you know, somebody that was, speedy or not speeding but breaking the law or committing a crime or whatever the the best excuse is if if you're pregnant like if you're speeding <laughs> and you're pregnant i have three of them i'll look at you and i'll be like now I'll look at your belly and be like all right <laughs> you know, like, okay you know you look pregnant like all right you know if, you know because they're like, i gotta pee i gotta pee and having having three kids and having a wife that's been through it i understand how you know, how tough it is, you know, when, when they got to go to the bathroom. So, yeah. you know, I, I'll, I'll kind of let, I'll let that kind of go. And, um, 
you know, also having my wife too, she got stopped and she had to pee and they were like, all right, carry on. So, uh, so you know, I'm, I'm paying it forward. Paying it, I was just going to say that, paying it forward, paying it forward. That's it. So, yep. so there's, all right, there's, there's, there's your words to live by right here. You heard it first on the nine one what podcast. Yep. If you get stopped, Hey, have you a pillow, stuff it under your shirt and tell them you got to pee. Yep. <laughs> you got to pee. Oh. Oh, and, and now that anybody can be whatever they want to be, it works for men too. So just stuff that pillow yeah. on your shirt. You never know. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you about it. I'm just going to say, yeah, all right, keep it moving. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I tell you, uh, as we were talking about how sometimes people have a problem with with police, they don't like police. I can tell you one thing: we none of us really like, and that's insurance companies because we all know that when the time comes to file that claim. They do everything they can to deny that claim. And that's the same with disability insurance. You've been paying your premiums for disability insurance in case you get hurt on the job. You know, say you're chasing some 70, 80 year old man and you trip and fracture your leg in three or four places because he was high stepping and you couldn't and you can't work for some reason. And then you file your disability claim that, you know, you've been paying your insurance claims. You make that file or that uh, you file that claim and they say, nope, you can still work. Go for it. When you know you've been denied a legitimate claim, you need to call my man, Eric Buchanan at Buchanan Disability, Eric Buchanan and Associates. Um, Those guys are good. They're going to go to work for you. They know the tricks that the insurance companies like to play and his team will go to work to make sure you get the benefits that you've been paying for and the benefits that you deserve. That's Eric Buchanan and Associates. The website is BuchananDisability.com. That's BuchananDisability.com. And the phone number, anywhere in the United States, you can call him at 877-634-2506. That's 877-634-2506. And let his team go to work for you. Eric Buchanan and Associates, BuchananDisability.com. Let them get the benefits that you've been paying for and that you deserve. So speaking of benefits, what's the strangest (laughs) thing you've ever found on the search? Uh, man, I think any, any time a good old, uh, erotic toy comes up, that, that's uh, a little oh, erotic toy. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah. Old, old, <laughs> old uh, triple X toys. Those, those, are, <laughs> those are always the worst. And man, I, and, and doing narcotic search warrants and searching cars for narcotics. That's when you always find them. in I'm the cars. Telling. Uh, people love to get high and I guess uh, do the do the deeds. I mean, <laughs> you know, is what it is. You know, I didn't, I've, wouldn't think it about that in the cars. I mean, I imagine oh, the yeah. houses looking in drawers and Purse, stuff like that. Purses, uh, you know, suit. I mean, you'll you'll find it anywhere. It's, it's <laughs> they're they're ready at any moment. I guess I don't know. You know, That's, well, wait till you find why, the one that has four double D batteries for it. So. I'm telling you. <laughs> I, we we've found we've found some uh, very large ones, some <laughs> ones. It's it's crazy. You know? oh, but that, man. That's, that's why I always say, you "Gotta wear gloves." I was wear just gloves. getting ready to say, "Hopefully, you'll be wearing your yeah. gloves." Man, it, you don't want to be holding some up like, "What's this?" And <laughs> they tell you what it is, and then you're like, mm, "Okay." <laughs> Let me just put this back right here. <laughs> yeah. Especially, you know, because we sometimes, you know, we don't deal with the most sanitary of people so you know you uh that's that's a little that's that's like the personal boundaries you don't want to step over so hey i mean but yeah those are always the funniest and the weirdest things you ever find like any kind of toys like that because us being you know officers you know they're we we're still human and we still got a little kid side in us and of course (laughs) 
everybody laughs. Ha 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 ha. You know? Yeah. That's, that's the funniest things I, I always come across. So. Well, speaking of uh, funny things and embarrassing moments, what's your most embarrassing moment on the job? All right. In Augusta, when I work in Richmond County, we got, we got the masters. Yes. Um, the big golf tournament. Well, um, when you're on a specialized unit, basically you, you get pulled off of your assignments for that entire week and you work that, that, um, that event, that tournament. And some of them are, you know, you got like really easy jobs. Basically you're sitting at stoplights, making sure traffic's flowing good, uh, making sure pedestrians aren't just stopping traffic to walk across the street. Um, but this week was, was rough for me. Um, and it I didn't do anything wrong. It was just a rough week. We, uh, I was at a one stoplight and um, it was raining. So I go to do a U-turn actually in the grass to kind of park where I'm facing the road and my car got stuck. <laughs> so my car got stuck. I was an old Crown Vic. My car got stuck. They had to get the, uh, they, they have like AAA guy or the, uh, yeah, AAA guys just kind of going the entire day, roadside assistance people going all around the area. So they, they dragged me out. Um, so they dragged me out and I'm sitting there. Well, we had to get up at like four o'clock every day. Mm-hmm. So one day during like the quiet hours, I, I closed my eyes like everybody else does. You know, I closed my eyes. <laughs> well, apparently I got a call and, uh, the, the person watching the camera's like, Hey, are, are you sleeping? I was like, I didn't lie to him. I was like, I mean, I closed my eyes for a second. Yeah. Like, we see you on the camera. And I'm like, Oh God. So, so of course those things, those two things happen back to back. So I'm like, Man, I'm so then uh, a, a lieutenant call. I've never even heard of this lieutenant before. Mm-hmm. And he calls me. He goes, Hey, Mr. Snyder, um, I got to have a meeting with you. So, like, I'm still kind of a, I'm, I'm probably about a year and a half into it. And I'm like, I'm getting fired. Like, I'm, I'm getting fired for, <laughs> I mean, it's the biggest, it's the biggest week in Augusta all year. And then, and, and I fell asleep and got my car stuck. I'm getting fired. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> But the the lieutenant was actually a, um, a cool lieutenant that knew guys on, on the uh, on the um, crime suppression team and stuff. So he he kind of played along with them and stuff. And uh, they they pulled a good old joke on me. But uh, no, nah, it was a uh, that was probably that that was like the most em- that was the most embarrassing like work moment ever. Like I was like, man, you know that that was a tough one. Well, I say the most embarrassing, but then you know, there was another embarrassing moment in court that, that probably tops it. Uh Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So we, a buddy of mine, it, that crime suppression team, I'll tell you, it'll get you in some trouble now. <laughs> if, <laughs> that, that's for all my moments, you know, but now nah, we, um, it was a, it was a court case and we had a, a motion to suppress hearing. And, um, during this particular hearing, man, I was, they pulled up a body cam and uh, the body cam, you know, we, we were all fun. We all got along with each other. But on this particular one, I will say we used some language that probably wasn't <laughs> the most professional. Yeah. And um, so so uh, it was just some, you know, it was just crazy stuff. Like, you know, uh, my partner said, um, you know, hey, the, the gun's still loaded, you know, and you handed it to me. I said, well, don't pull the effing trigger. Yeah. And he's like, don't don't hand me an effing loading gun, you know. And uh, uh, another partner of mine was like, take he's like, hey. Hey, can you take a picture of me on my new patrol car? So like I'm taking pictures of and it's all on a body cam. So like you see the iPhone right here. Yeah. And you see the screen of me taking the picture of him. And then I'm like, oh man. I say, you gotta get me a picture. So so then I go and take a picture. So now my body cam, you see him taking a picture of me. It was just a uh, and uh so we, we go to court on this um on this hearing and uh basically they play from start to finish the entire body camera. <laughs> and uh I'm just sitting there like mm. 
So when it's over, you know, they asked me some questions and the questions weren't really even about the, the body. It was other questions that they even had. And, um, but I think it was more to try to make me look like a, like a, like a jackass on stands, you know? So, Oh yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah. Because but, none know, of what you did was Ill- illegal or anything right, like that. You right, guys were just having fun and, yeah. you know, weren't violating anybody's rights or anything like that. But yeah, you, when you, when yeah. you see it being played yeah. back, you're like, Oh, I look like an idiot. You oh know? yeah. So, so, I, um, after after I answer the question, I look at the judge. I say, "Your Honor, I, I, say, I just I just want to apologize. You know, it wasn't professional." And he and he looks at me. He goes, "Son, you ain't got nothing to worry about." And I said, "Oh, okay." So <laughs> I, I lost on out of the courtroom, and I, <laughs> it was it. But that when when the video was unfolding, it was just like because you could hear people chuckling. Like you could just and it, it was like a very quiet courtroom. Like there sure. wasn't a lot of people in, so because it was the COVID and stuff, so they kind of limited who could come in and. Man, it was that that was a that was a time and, and my partner was waiting outside like I could see his hit him on the glass like this, like watching, seeing the reaction. So it was it was it was that was an embarrassing time right there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you have to now you're in a day of time where you have to assume that whatever you do, somebody else is gonna be watching it later. And that's yeah. man, that's that's a hard that's really a hard standard to kind of yeah. live up to. And when yeah. you entered, if you just been doing this six years, it was kind of like that when you entered into it. So you, you right. knew this world was out there waiting for you. Yeah. You yeah. know, so well, when I was in, it was in the early nineties and you know, we were, you didn't have this type of constant surveillance. Um, right. And you know, it, the situation like what you just described is one of those things. Again, it's not bad. You didn't do anything wrong, but it doesn't always look good. And, you know, and then people make assumptions based on that. And, you know, it just kind of spirals out of control. And the fact of the matter is if any of us had a camera on us all day, every day, or just while we're at work and, and could play the whole thing back, there'd be some cringe worthy moments of probably any, any of our lives, you know, everybody. So, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So um, before we wrap up, give a little trigger warning. We're going to talk maybe about one or two really disturbing calls that you've had. And, um, you know, maybe a call that that was just really hard for you to to either process or, you know, we, we all have those calls that make it a little tougher to sleep or maybe take years to go away. You know, any anything like that come to mind in the six years that you've been on? Yeah, Um there's there's like two in particular. Um, the uh, the first one I won't really talk too much about. I, I really don't even know what's going on with that case. But I was still in Richmond County, and um, a boyfriend and, and a uh, and a, and a uh, girlfriend got into an argument, like a domestic. And um, it was about I, I think it was about a car. Like she didn't want him to take the car, mm-hmm. so he ends up like just just firing rounds through the front door, just just shooting through the front door. And it ended up striking a, um, it ended up striking a, a young child, like a two year old. And, mm. um, and we, we were working that night and, uh, we got the call and, um, basically the mom brought the two year old to the driveway cause she was trying to just do anything to help it. So, so we come on scene and that's the first thing we see is, is a two year old that's, that's been struck multiple times by bullets. And, um, I think that, that was the toughest one because it was the first time I've ever seen a, a, a small child like that just laying yeah. there lifeless. Um, yeah. And and having kids of my own, you know, I, I just know like I just I'll be devastated if it happened to mine. So I can I can only emphasize what what she's going through or who, who you know, what that mother was going through at the time. And um, then uh, he ended up getting caught the same night. He was just walking down the road. And um, it's tough, like certain officers, you know, that that are like me to have kids. It's, it's tough to keep your emotions bottled in. So, you know, um, we, we always got to remain professional and let the 
let the let the judicial you know process do its do its course you know but you know I, I, that was that was probably the the worst or most heart wrenching you know well, moment I've had. Well, how, how do you how do you deal with that? How do you process that? Like I said, do you have little kids of your own similar mm-hmm. in age to the 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 child that you just watched lifeless? How do, how do you do? You have to process it somehow. Um, how, yeah. how how do you deal with it? Um, well, that particular, I, I go home and I just start loving on them. You know, like just just to appreciate. You know, because there, there was times when I wasn't doing this where. I miss some um, miss moments of my second growing up. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you, you don't, that's what I tell a lot of officers, you know, it's, it's fun to come out here and work specials. It's fun to make money. It's, it's fun to work the bars, but you don't, you don't get time back. That's one thing we never get back, you know? So I, as I get older, I just, I really like to just take my off time to, to really just be with my kids. You know, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'll, I'll work if I have to, but I, I really just love being with the kids. So um, that's, that's what I did. You know, I just, after that, I kind of spoke to my wife about it a little bit, and um, I just went home, loved on the kids, and um, you know, I, I, I stay in the gym and I stay active with the uh, you know jujitsu and stuff like that, martial arts. So, I guess that's that's kind of my outlet, you know. So yeah, well, and that's a good that's a good healthy outlet. Uh, yeah. You know that that's really good, and and I you know I don't I don't really see a need to go into other disturbing calls because that says it all. If you see yeah. you know a kid in that state. And you, you know, whether you have kids or not, but it certainly makes it a lot tougher when you do have kids and then you have to go home and, you know, deal with that and process that. But I think the key is just that, you know, we can't lose ourselves in the job. I mean, we like the job. You know, some of us love the job and really enjoy what we do. But we have to we have to keep it in in perspective. That job is so that it means to provide for your family so that you can spend that time with your family. And if you get caught up too caught up, yeah, that time, you can't get that time back. So I'm glad that early on, I mean, this is relatively early six years in, um, and you, you know, your kids are still young that you you've realized that and, and, and find that balance. So, so good for you. Good for you. Um, so Johnny, anything else, you know, that, that you want to share with people, um, like maybe the biggest misconception, we'll just kind of end on that. The biggest misconception or, or anything else that you want to share with our listeners to help them better understand you or what it is that you do on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, my, my partner, me say it at every, um, you know, we, we, we love going around and talking to young youth, especially those that could be, um, you know, more, I would say, uh, susceptible to, to gangs in a community. Um, so we'll, we'll go speak with them. And, uh, but the main thing we tell them is like, look, you know, we're not here just to take you to jail. We're not here to just punish you. We're here to help you. Like if, if we can, if we can prevent you from ever going to jail, then that's, that's what our job is. You know, our job isn't just to, Hey, you did this. Let's, let's take you to jail. Um, you know, I, I think, I think a big misconception we have is that like people just look at us sometimes as the punishers. Like we're, we're here to kick doors down, take names and take people to jail, which, which, you know, are there guys that that's what they look forward to the most? Of course there are, you know, but I think a majority of us are here to help the community are here to, um, you know, help the the citizens of, of which we serve. Um, and I always tell people that. And at the end of the day, I tell everybody, look, no matter if you love me, no matter if you hate me, if your life is on the line, then I'm gonna put mine on the line to protect you. So, you know, I, I always tell people that, um, and just, you know, I don't have to know you, you don't have to know me, but if you call me, I'm coming. Um, and that's just one thing I, I want people to know, you know, um, we're human. We have jobs. There's been times where I've been in a three hour standoff and I got to flip my switch off. Cause I got to go teach 26 little kids how to play football. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a crazy world, you know? And, um, and I, I told my wife that one time, like, Hey, you know, it's, 
it's so crazy. Like, you know, I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm in a standoff and now I'm at a gym teaching people how to, you know, do arm bars and choke people. Like it's, it's just it's a crazy world. And, and I don't think a lot of people really understand that. I think it's, I think some people really in today's climate look at us like, you know, we're, we're riding around with a gun 24 seven. We sleep with our gun. We, you know, we, we go home and look up different ways to put handcuffs on people. I don't know, you know, but <laughs> you know, we're not, you know, we, we do our job. We, we try to serve and help the best we can. And then when we go home, we have to kind of, almost turn a switch off and, and be almost vulnerable to our families. So, so we can give them the love that they need. So. Absolutely. Um, Very important. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for, for joining me. I really appreciate that. And, and I think you, you, you covered a lot of good things right there at the very end, because yes, there are some officers, obviously when we, most officers, when we take this job that we want to put bad guys in jail, Um, there's a rush that comes with that. You know, there's, there's a bit of a power trip, so to speak, you know, just being truthful that comes with that, but you want to take people to jail that deserve to go to jail. Right. But I think if we were all given the option of, of every day taking somebody to jail or every every day they're not being anybody to take the jail, meaning that everybody's actually getting along, I believe every officer would choose that ladder where everybody is 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 uh getting along and you know, we are not needed or certainly not needed to the level that we've got to kick in doors and take bad guys to jail. So Thank you so much, sir, for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, to all my listeners, thank you all for listening. And be sure, as I ask you every episode, to share the uh, the podcast with your friends and make sure that if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a good rating. Subscribe wherever you're listening so you make sure that you are aware when the newest episode's coming out. And if you have any suggestions, give me a shout. You can shoot me an email at 91what dot podcast at gmail.com with any of your suggestions, including guest suggestions. If you have some people that you'd like for me to get on, um, just shoot me an email and I'll do my best to get them on. But until next time, Johnny Snyder, thank you so much. And everyone else, have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to 91 What? We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have comments or suggestions, please email us at 91what.podcast at gmail.com. And thanks to Carlos Bail Bonding and Eric Buchanan and Associates for making this episode possible.